To Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you? As we journey together to other lands. The mind. Je tourne un pelic à la le tout le monde après Well, now, I'm making fun of uh, French. I don't speak French. And uh, I think it's wonderful if you do, and you then are smarter than I am. And the reason I'm making fun of it is because I feel threatened by it. And a lot of times we mock things if we feel it makes us... Uh, Look inferior. Oh, it's making me feel bad about myself. I'll make fun of it, you know, because it it makes me feel diminished or something. So you recognize this when you go to a comedy show, and maybe it's the wrong level of sophistication. Maybe I'm the wrong level of sophistication for you if you speak five languages. So, oh, you know, he's silly. So, but I feel that way when I go to a comedy show and there's maybe there's somebody going like, uh, you know, who knows what fork to use, those fancy people. Well, I know which fork to use at a dinner party. I'm not royalty or anything. But then I need another level of stand-up mockery. So then I would have to have somebody who was like maybe making fun of people who went to Ivy League schools because I am somewhere between Ivy League schools and knowing what fork to use. But I could see you could be anywhere along there. Oh, my goodness. But we all feel a little threatened by something. And even if you're very, very smart, you go, well, there's probably creatures that are smarter than I. And I know oh, I'm terrified. But I bet they talk like this. Beep, 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 beep. So that's how we get our revenge. It's lovely. All the best, the funniest, most biting humor is written on prison walls. That might even be a Simon and Garfunkel song. Oh, my goodness. I hope I don't have to mock. I'm not really very good at mocking uh, things, nor do I want to. Because my thought is, well, maybe soon I will be erudite, 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 learned or something. And then I wouldn't want to make fun of myself or wealthy. That's another thing. It's like, oh, eat, eat the rich. Am I going to have to eat myself? like a cave cricket, and they are self-cannibalizing. My goodness. Is that, is that bad? You wonder about that. As, I mean, the whole thing about cannibalizing, seems that seems bad. But if it's you, you know, we probably consume our, a lot of us who are very nervous or anxious. We know what it's like to just sit there and consume ourselves. Oh, it's eating me up. You're eating you up. And you might become an, a black hole. You just get sucked into yourself. Where would that happen? At the navel, clearly. If you were going to collapse in on yourself some way, it would be through, through the navel. Isn't that interesting? That we do have a center. And it's also, coincidentally, kind of our center. Not kind of. Our, it's our center of gravity. Isn't that nice? So it may not be the navel... I. I thought at one time, maybe that's where we're to be spun on a stick. You know how they do plates? They used to have uh, jugglers and everything who would spin plates on the end of these sticks. 
And you just have to balance it right. But that's where you would spin a person, I think, is about navel. And if you've ever seen um, uh, Soleil de Circus, 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 Circum, uh, the circus, where they do all kinds of acrobatics and everything. They do spin people. I think they put people on poles, and it's about belly level. Sometimes they'll stand on it like a stylite. What's a stylite? Religious extremists sometimes would go up and pole sit. Nowadays, they do it, you know, like the kids. They eat goldfish, and they stuff a phone booth, or they wear raccoon coats. And they pole sit, but they used to do it for religious reasons. And they had dendrites too. People would sit up in trees for religious reasons. Now people do it because they're high. Oh, what are you doing up there? I'm in God's hand. No, but they used to. Well, maybe they said that then. You know, a lot of religious ecstasy, uh, ecstasy, uh, turns out was uh, ergot poisoning from wheat that had gone bad. So most of, not most of the Bible, but a good part of it is literal hallucinations. So people are eating all kinds of unintentional shrooms and everything. That's not to say that that's not part of their reality. See, that's the thing. Let's say you live in a house and you see ghosts. Well, there's ghosts in your house. And that's part of it. And that's how you live your life. That's why the, the I... The, the UK uh, Ghosts TV show makes me cry. I forget it's a comedy. And I just think, well, that's some people's reality. And uh, it's wonderfully bittersweet, isn't it? Um, it's funny. It's like chocolate. You know, because chocolate is, you think, oh, I don't like sweets. Chocolate isn't sweet. That's the thing. We take the most sweet thing, sugar, which you could just, pound in your mouth if you wanted to and say, oh, I want, I want to mix it with this thing, this bitter thing that tastes like um, you're licking death or something. I think originally it was made from mummy, ground mummy, which in Victorian times, I believe they, they would use to make paint. You're writing all this down, aren't you? Oh, you're going to learn so much from Hardy. I feel that way. I like to share everything, and I do, and it's unintentional. So you might as well say, oh, that one I didn't know. But the mummy one you knew, that's pretty common knowledge, I think. But I'd like to tell you some things today that you might not know. Are they facts? And I'll tell you how I feel about that even. Oh, well, I mentioned the ghosts. When I was a young man, let's just say a, a little boy, there used to be service stations, just like there is on the Andy Griffith Show or one. And uh, they would have gas pumps out. My uncle even owned one. Warren's American, it was called. And he had a couple pumps out there, and he'd, you know, pretend to work on your car. You know, they did things like that. And inside, you'd walk inside, there'd be a little room with a desk, because in between pumping your gas... The gas attendant would sit there and they'd have to do, you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved. So there's a little desk with calendar. And, the, and a lot of times the calendars were promotional calendars. You could get one, you know, that said like, you know, skinniest Texaco or something. And, or a bag, a, a garbage bag that would hang on your window door crank. 
Easy. Oh, you're old timey. Listen, just hear me out. I'm not saying this for nostalgia. I'm getting to something. Also, they smelled like motor oil because they'd sell motor oil and it would be stacked there just right next to the papers, using motor oil cans as paperweights. And, you know, you get motor oil on you. Gasoline kind of evaporates, right? So it smells like gas near the pump. But inside, yeah, motor oil lingers and you can't get rid of it, right? That's why you dump it in the ground and it's still there. And they had maps, racks of folded paper maps, which also smelled of motor oil. And if you wanted to know where you were going in this great nation of roads, oh, roads connected like rivers. If you look at a map of the United States and you look at the rivers, main rivers and creeks, and then you look at all the roads, oh, they're even more connected. A web that covers and crosses all those things. To get through it, to navigate it, you needed a map. There were no, I don't even, why do we still call them phones? And then, and like, well, they're smartphones. Come on. You don't call us genius monkeys. Just come up with a new name for it. You know, and I guess they, they try all the time, personal run, but they always come back to phone. It's phone. Silly. So, it's a tin can on a string. It is, isn't it? But with pictures. So, you get one of these maps, and it's, um, it's like a condom or something. Once you undo it, there's no putting it back the way it was, really, without a great deal of effort. I mean, you can. I'm just saying most people couldn't. There's other things that if you undo them, good luck. But you, I know this map is folded in a way that it does require some sort of ge degree in geometry or something. I love them. But um, you would find your place on it, you know, and then... The thing about these maps is they might be to scale, sort of, looking down, kind of. That might, It's not a really a depiction of anything that exists in reality. It isn't how the thing really is. You know, we kind of get close to it now. You can go online and you can, go, you can zoom down. You can go and walk along the road or you can put the satellite image on it or something like that. But these old maps were terribly unsophisticated. They were a route. And who knew if the route had changed since the map was printed? You got to look at the year of these maps. You know, I'm not even that old. Yeah, you are. I'm not even that old. Yeah, you are. And still, I remember there was a time when some of the uh, interstates weren't didn't go all the way through. I-95 didn't go all the way down to Florida. You know, just in pieces. That turnpike. Turnpike. Everything was turnpikes. So, more nostalgia. No, it's the map I'm getting. I'm not the map. It's the map. It's the map. There's a place you want to go. In your mind or in your home. It's the map. It's the map. It's the map, and I didn't write this song. Or did I write this song? It's the map. I don't think the map cartoon show wrote that song even. That feels like something that's been with humanity a long time, that chant. You know? We need rain. We need rain. 
If it's rain you're gonna need, then we look up to the sky. We need rain. I think, you know, maybe not. It's not really scary, but it's catchy, isn't it? I'm, now, what it was, Nora the Schnorer or something. Zora the Schnorer, I think is the show, the show I'm thinking of. And um, she just went around, you know, kind of sponging off of people. That's what a Schnorer is. Um, you know, uh, Captain Spaulding was one. Now listen, these maps, in their inaccuracy, they're a you know, thing unto themselves, but they're not really reality. And when once you explore a certain section, once you drive it, you see the actual Texaco station, you see the trees, and you see the little houses, and you see, hey... There's a guy that looks like my high school chemistry teacher. And I only say that because he's got the same kind of comb over and short sleeve dress shirt. And there he is standing outside of his lovely, what is that, a diner, a laundromat, a little of both. I love the small towns of America. Oh, let's get back into those cars. Oh, romanticizing cars. Oh, the danger it's caused. It's forced a map onto us. It's forced us to see our whole world through the lens of that little um, zippy robot buggy shell that we have to do. It's like someone's convinced us all to be like turtles that slide around on, on great ramps. And there is no indication on these maps of elevation and the great rolling and the great flowing of rivers I mean, it really is a fantastic texture, the whole th and we've reduced it to where the parts that look like urban basketball courts and smell uh, like something that's been pulled up out of the ground that shouldn't have been. And that's, you know, that's just a fact. Even your ironic love of it, come on, come and consider it. I, love, I secretly love fumes. <laughs> when you, but when you're not with him, your perspective would change. And you go, ah, I got to admit, now that I'm here by the pristine river, I was pretending to like car exhaust. But that's because I don't begrudge anybody, nobody, of finding their joy wherever they are. Don't tell somebody the place they are is horrible and everything. It's not. Human beings got to turn everywhere they live into, in their mind, if they must survive, into to an Eden. And don't, you know, don't mess that up for them. But it's all right to introduce people to other ways and say, well, come on, just for the weekend, come up to my river cabin. And then, you know, they can make the decision for themselves. But I never, I, uh, any way to, you know, I don't know what your landscape looks like. And we do see the world differently, and that's why I don't give advice. See, if I were to give advice to you, say this is the way you live your life, it'd be based on this map that I have made of the world that I see. You have not been to the same places, met the same people, or had the same experiences necessarily. You may be wired differently. And so the map that you make of your world is a different one. Now, if I'm shouting directions at you, turn right on Main Street. You go, well, what I call Main Street isn't what you call Main Street. And if I turn right, I'm going to go into this lake. And that is uh, not a stretch. That's why there's no one size fits all. 
You know, that's why they make you go to individual counselors. Now, what are they doing? I don't know, but what they should be doing is voodoo. And I mean that in a traditional sense, is using your worldview that already exists to steer you in some benevolent, deluded direction based on the arbitrary rules that you've already come up with. And that's, you know, your reality. And that's something that I don't know that, you know, Mr. Rogers ever really conveyed. It's beautiful. He shared the beauty of his world. But, um, you know, he never also said, oh, incidentally, I'm living in a literal delusion that the world of make-believe in my show is sort of a, a, a metaphor for this reality that I've created, my worldview, you know? where this attitude of mine is appropriate because we're all scared. In a way, aren't you glad? That I'm glad sometimes my, my grandmother and great-grandmother are dead, you know, because I'd be worrying about them. And you worry about those who uh, you love who are maybe gentle. And... Um, and, and that gentleness is, oh, I would never, I'm not like that, you know, because I know the world requires something else. Who knows what your world requires? I don't even know. And so, therefore, I don't yell directions at you. And I can't have any sort of map that's going to fit your needs. However, what I can do is bring you with me on a car trip. I've been on car trips with you if you're a long-time listener. I know that we have... Uh, driven these long stretches of uh, highways. I don't know quite what byways are. I think they're a thing going the other direction, like avenues and streets. But we've driven them together. I know I've heard from some of you, so I'm driving out west. I've driven the length of this thing, continent. And uh, I looked at all the geology of it, and I've been all... Seen all sorts of types of limestone and granite. Oh, it's beautiful. What a crazy place. And uh, I'm headed to uh, New Jersey soon. And I'm very conscious of all the rivers I'm going to cross. So I have to cross all these rivers. Because, you know, if you look at that map and it's just, uh, you get on this highway, get on this highway. But really you're going up and I got to go up and down and across rivers. I got to, I got to. Uh, go across the Ohio River a couple times. So? I don't know. I don't know. Why am I affected by it? Because you're going to die soon. I'm not going to die soon. Well, you're sooner than when you were 20. This is a maybe. What do you mean maybe? Well, no, you're right. It's... Some things about time you cannot deny. And, and, and one of them is that, you know, it does march on. And while you could perish at any time, one of those times is not something that's already happened. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about, because I'm the age I'm at, one thing that can ha can't happen to me is that I die as a teenager. That's out. It's off the table. Isn't that interesting? That could still be in your map. I don't know how old you are. You know, there's all sorts of things. I can't, I can't even imagine saying something universal besides uh, 
like screaming. I don't even know what that would be, high-pitched sound. Then maybe every creature uh, that was like me would understand. The rest of this is too... It's too nuanced. Your map is silly and I don't understand it. When they made maps of subways, you know, they were had a problem because, you know, you can't make it to scale. It, you know, some of the lines would be, would be unusable. So the it, it took geniuses to make subway maps that are readable, understandable, usable, but are not to scale in any way. What's represented is a sort of pattern of action, you know, and this line to this line. I remember I was visiting the library at a very famous Ivy League school, and it's one of the ones in New Haven, and it was the, um, what's the name of that library? It's a big square one. It's got all, like, I'll think of the name. It's really cool. It's worth a visit is what I'm saying is if you're in the area and you can just wander on campus. They don't, Bernicke, is that it? Really nice, cool looking library with like rare books in it that you could look at. Now, one of the books I was looking at was very old and it was a sort of, um, it wasn't a map, but it was a list of distances from port to port for ships. So it's just distance and direction. So for instance, I'd say uh, Philadelphia, you know, go roughly south, so many miles, blah, blah, blah. What's the next? <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I don't know, is it Newcastle? Is that on the, on the Delaware? But you know what I'm saying. So you go to, well, let's just take Port A, go southeast, uh, 30 miles, and then they would have the directions from point B to another port and stuff like that. So that was the map. If you're here, this is how far and what direction it is to here. Now, you didn't, it's sea travel. So it's just, you know, the all the water stuff's up to you. You navigate all the the wind and all that, that's you figure out. And you figure out how you're going in the right direction and all. But here's what you need. Here's the minimum. I wonder if I could do a sort of minimum or just tell you I've been to this port. This is how long it took for me. That kind of thing. That's the things I can share. You should always be, you should, this is what I do. I'm always looking for an idea. Now, I have a radio show, so I have an excuse for it, but I think I've always done this, even if I was between, because I, I was, I will make something out of this. But I, I always have to feel like I'm in the middle of some information-gathering mission, that I'm out there looking for key. I, this may have happened to me because of early CD-ROM video games like Myst or something like everything's a clue. But I think I've always been like that. I think I've always looking around trying to put things together, learning things, trying to assemble disparate things, see if they can't be shoved together somehow. I wonder what that's, what a strange inclination. I guess if you're making some, I'm making a big sculpture and I need stuff, all sorts of junk. 
I had a, I was on a kick where I was making huts out of um, stuff I'd found, sticks and logs and everything. I didn't cut any trees down. I'd wait till the it fell. So it wasn't practical. They more, it was more of an art thing. Um, what's his name? Andy Goldsworthy or something. That kind of, uh, we call environmental sculpture. That's what I was into. So I'd find sticks and vines and logs and something in, a, in an area, and I'd tr try to build something like it, like a little kind of hut that I'd weave, and, and I did this. And then people would, and the whole point was to find, find things, you know. Then people started bringing me their, like, yard waste. So here's mine and everything. Do something with it. So what happened is I introduced into, ended up being my backyard where I made one, and people were bringing me stuff for it, and then I had more waste in my backyard than my backyard had created. I made this thing. So I was like, maybe I'm, from now on, it, you don't have to bring me things. If, if I have it, what I have, the supplies I have will have to suffice. Because you can always make it bigger or better when people bring you other stuff. But it's a wonderful rule to say the resources I have will have to suffice. I was in a band with a fella, and uh, he was had the affliction where no project could be done unless an unattainable piece of equipment was acquired. And no matter what you would acquire, there was one more out-of-reach piece of equipment. And... As somebody who was like, boy, I don't, I was at the big, I wouldn't even tune my instrument. Uh, you know, do we have to, I have to do it. So I, this was a, it was ailing for me. It's like, get on with it. Let's do it. You know, if we wait, oh, if we postpone, I'm not talking about instant gratification, but you shouldn't find it. You should have a nice calendar. So I'm all for waiting, but you got to say it's going to happen on and then we'll do it then. Otherwise, let's do something now, spontaneous now. So that's a good thing. Plan a show. We're going to do a proper play where we can organize it and have a stage and all the people and rehearse. And we're going to do that months from now. But then tonight, we're going to pull one out of our uh, collective behinds. In the, no, collective behind. So if it's a collective, it's one behind. Don't be, don't be stupid. Hardy and your stupid bad grammar. No, it's not about that. It's about creating imagery. If I'm trying to make an image in your head and I say apples instead of apple, I've made too many apples. There's too many. We're going to have, it's going to be a problem. James and the giant peaches. You know, and you'd be like, well, now I'm picturing, this is crazy. And it leads me. To what I really came here to talk about is that Strangler's song about the peaches on the beaches, which is, I've, I don't take it as like a sexual thing. I take it as somebody's open up a peach and put it in sand, wrecking it. That's the thing. See, two things, you don't have to, they don't have to, you don't have to get one of them on the other. They can, they can be there and relate. You can stand in the sand and eat a peach, I guess is what I'm saying. All of the suggestive stuff you can have, you can, that's up to you. But I'm telling you, if that song is just about fruit, what it's saying is pretty clear to me. Oh, I am so.
blessed and lucky. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because speaking like this to you makes me feel less lonely. Not in the sense where like, oh, I've been in the house all day and I just, I, I got somebody to come give me an estimate for tree cutting just so I'd have someone to chat with. Is that messed up? That's going to be my life more and more. I know it is. But that's not why the kind of loneliness I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the, the deep gut loneliness of, of true existential isolation where you feel like, am I alone in the cold universe? And, uh, you know, it, it's like, uh, what's the Tarkovsky movie with Solaris or something? I forget most of it. I don't know if he's imagining the girl or anything, but, you know, just that thing where maybe I'm imagining everybody. You know, I am truly alone, and I really can't know anybody else's reality. And, you know, sometimes that feeling just strikes you deeply, and you go, you know, oh, I'm dreaming everybody. At the end of the day, I'm isolated. I will go into my death alone, cold, lonely, dark emptiness of of, of no other. Well, that's pretty bleak, Hardy. You just Did you just steer me somewhere like that? I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. I was saying for personally, the remedy for me is this making uh, connections with people. What does that mean? Oh, I don't know. I'll tell you what the reality is. The reality is I'm as unreal as them. <laughs> I am their ethereal, uh, you know, what's it called when you're a bit player and an extra? I'm their extra. We're all each other's extra. I know Ricky Gervais has explored that. But we all really are. You know, there's no star. We're living in a world of extras. And that's kind of comforting. And there's a sort of, should be a sort of camaraderie in that. You know, that's what I feel. And I feel it when I'm with you because we have this uh, intimacy where we can, we can uh, live out that, that paradox or that contradiction. Now, when you're really interacting with the real world, you have to defend yourself. I mean, it's, it's true. You can't be completely. It's horrifying. You know, you see vulnerable people online or something or people, you know, some gentle, <laughs> you know, Meemaw uh, really uh, having to deal with some soul-shocking things or aggression. And, um, you know, like, oh, God, my heart goes out. Um, but, like, who let their Meemaw in? Um, you know, we have all these different spaces with different degrees of vulnerability. And, you know, you can be... It's so silly to not to be a real weenie at home. Like, why wouldn't you want to be? There's spaces you can be weak, you know, like on the toilet or something. Oh, this hurts to get out. Nobody's going to judge you. Nobody's there. And don't tell anybody. But I mean, right? Am I, am I right? Your heart is her like it is. What I'm saying is you don't, have to, you don't have to be confessional. You don't have to be publicly weak. But at some point, you must confess to yourself your own vulnerability. And you can't go around thinking that you're not, you know, nothing. <laughs> but on the other hand, uh, you can go around thinking you're, you're wonderful, too. Just don't also act on it always. You don't have to, you know, be the star. 
and just be a really good character actor. Get into it. That's what I'm trying to get into the arbitrary, self-delusional nature of this cooperative reality. And go, you know, I'm going to, let's all, when you were playing pretend, you're coming up with roles as children. It was uh, wonderful. It was just kind of intimidating and liberating at the same time. You know, who you get to say who you're going to be. And who are you? Well, I'm the, as long as it's not too, like, authoritarian or something. I'm your general and dad. You can't do that during play. It has to be, you have to get a sense that you're, there's a, some, uh, you know, uh, egalitarianism, right? So he's, I'm, I'm Blackie the cowboy, and I'm a munitions expert or something when you're playing war. You, you, you know to do something, right, creative. Uh, I'm the village mime. And no one's going to challenge you for that, maybe. And then you, you do the cooperative play or something like that. I'm the neighbor, Louie. It's fun. And uh, uh, children are learning how to do it. And then it wears off. And you forget that you can just kind of pick something to be. But the thing is also, you can imagining yourself a doctor and being a <laughs> Turns out there's quite a gap there. So, you know, but I imagine myself a doctor. I can't be a doctor because of my, I don't know, just a lot of things conspired, organic and situational but what I like to do sometimes is uh, you know healing or something or, or 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 offering sucker or something I mean to my to my dogs I'm friggin Albert Schweitzer they, they don't know I don't have a medical degree I'm a miracle worker and so you know it's relative <coughs> I can I can help there's always someone to help. I'm not saying practice medicine on, on, on the vulnerable, like, like Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies. That may be crossing the line, you know? That's, uh, that, that's chiropractic to the nth degree, what she's doing. You know, here's some lye soap and, and moonshine. I'm not saying it's not effective, but, you know, it's therapeutic. It's not medicinal. So we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll debate that some of the old folk remedies. Mm-hmm. I believe that that's the rationale that Mao used to deprive uh, this population of modern medicine. You know, it's those herbs. Uh, be traditional. Take herbs. Well, I really want some medicine. There's no medicine. Uh, why? Uh, doctors are the doctors are busy farming and mining and dying. So um, they will not be able to help you. Oh, my goodness, what a world we live in and have always. That wasn't me. Oh, I time travel, and so many of you, I don't even know how this works, but I go back in in time, and so many of you have, like, what I can only describe as doppelgangers. There's just people that look like modern versions, um, like my friend, Billy Johnson. He looks so much like William Johnson, who I know in the 18th century. And uh, same eyes and money. It's weird. So I I don't know if there's any... The universe is strange the way it works like that. And, and, you know, like Einstein says, you know, maybe... uh, Or one of them says, 
you know, God, well, Einstein said, God doesn't roll dice. And then Stephen Hawking said, but not in a different voice, in, in, the, in the machine voice, bless him. He said, um, not only does he roll dice, but he plays um, Baccarat, which really you should be able to, to win at. It should be the easiest thing to win at. But I think what happens there with Baccarat is people make the um, Monty Hall uh, error, logic error, and they keep switching, switching their bets. If you put a rubber band in my eyeball and I really had to give advice, I would say that if you join any group or you get accepted into any group, pretty much immediately test their tolerance. Because I'm telling you, you'll get, you'll, you know, it'll change you if you don't. <clears throat> so you must immediately expose some unbearable quirk. So either wear shorts to a meeting or something like that. And just uh, sort of dare them to throw you out without being, you know, don't be. Um, let the reason be their bigotry. You know, try to find it. Go looking for it. <laughs> Go, go looking for evidence that they're exclusionary. That's what I say. Because I don't want to be in a group like that. One of those us and them groups. There's enough, there, you, you can be in a group that everybody can join. They won't choose to. But everybody's free to. You should even kind of uh, encourage people to join, though, too. Why is that? Oh, Hardy! <clears throat> Cough that phlegm out and then give us a little bit of a, uh, I hate to say primer, I don't like that word, in uh, uh, inclusionary behavior. So it's not enough to open your group up to anybody. You need to go to people and invite them because a lot of people say it and don't mean it. You know, our group's open to everybody. They don't mean that. You go on any kind of college campus to some social club. You know, Our group's open to anybody. No, it's not. It certainly is only in theory. <laughs> but you could come up with all sorts of reasons to exclude them because that's the it's exclusionary kind of thing. It's exclusive. People like that. Exclusive means someone's excluded. So you got to find out, figure out who that is because it could secretly be you, you know? And they just, if they... You know, you need to reveal that about yourself immediately. Say, I want to make sure that I'm not one of the people that you're excluding. But I don't like to be anything exclusive. So, and you don't have to, like, for instance, let's say you're like a bird fancier and you join your local bird fancier group. That really, the only people they would kick out would be people that, like, brought explosives to meetings or something. You'd really, anybody... You just got to like the birds. That's it. So it isn't, you know, that's self-excluding. They're not going to see if you like birds enough, ever test it. You know, we're, we're, we're not sure about your commitment to birds. We've watched you, and sometimes when you're bird watching, it'll feel like you're fully present or really watching the birds. Yeah, so uh, we're going to ask you to leave. That doesn't come up. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just figure you're there because you're love of the thing. Oh, I wish there was a word for love of the thing. Amateur. It's not just about, that's not just an adult uh, entertainment term. 
It has to do with any uh, endeavor where you do it for the love of the thing or mental, got a mental problem or something. But whatever your drive, I'm sure my, I mean, a lot, I know my, a lot of my amateur loves of certain things are manifestations of neurological states. And so I know that. I know that I'm not, I would say, I don't do as much archery as I did for that intense nine-month period where I did it every day. So I'd say that that, you know, that's not a, a committed enthusiasm. But there's some things I've been, you know, with a long time. And one of them is naps, you know, and maps, but really naps. Oh, my goodness. I am about, I have a, let's see, have I had a hobby? Music. My whole music life. Music, painting. I don't think I have. Painting? I don't think so. Painting, still paint? I do. There are some things I've had my whole life, and they were introduced to me as, as a kid and as something I didn't have to pursue wholeheartedly that I could do as just a part of my life. I like that. So I was introduced to painting as a hobby uh, as a kid, and I love that. I really appreciate that because professionally, it's, it's so hard. Oh, my God, it's hard. I mean, really, the kind of, like, I like, uh, I like uh, painting on a canvas or wood or anything. You know, paints, basically. I don't know, painting can be any size, right? But I just, for some reason, that medium really, really... Uh, captivates me. I've been in it a long time. Uh, you know, if it's going to a museum really young or something, or my grandmother, my grandmother painted almost exactly like Hitler. Same style, but she was so much sweeter. And then, uh, so I saw that, you know, and I saw I've smelled oil paints really young and got, and so I liked that. And, um, but, you know, I never even, uh, took any lessons because I was afraid <laughs> that this something was going to make me stop. And then I'd get, uh, you know, I'd become enlightened to my own incompetence or the limitations of my abilities, and it would quell my enthusiasm and extinguish my joy. And I didn't want my joy extinguished. And so I allowed myself to do this thing unguided, and I had no expectations for it. And every once in a while, people would like, I'd love to buy that. You know, and you go, oh, you know, what were you thinking? And they go, um, price of a toaster? <laughs> oh, I don't know. And so much, you know, and you, and you realize that what you're doing is for you, and it has a value to you that is not, you can't really uh, use to trade for food because uh, that's really what it is. So I try to trade other things for food. What do you trade for food? Well, uh, uh, talking in funny voices. I try to do that. It's not doing that. I'm not at the, I'm not uh, very skilled at anything in particular, like I would say 99% of the population. You're thinking, me too, Hardy. I do a lot. Jack of all trades. Master of none. She said, Jack and master in the same sentence. I'm not laughing. 
but you're right. I know how that feels, you know, and most of us have had to jump around from job to job. So you don't, I, I, most of my friends don't have a profession, you know, some of them started to, or some older ones, um, you know, journalism used to be a profession. So I had friends in it and everything is not now. It's crazy. I mean, I'm not saying it should be, but it's just like, you know, the ages is, we're making bronze now, like the Mitchell and Webb uh, skit. I don't know if you're saying that's very clever. But things do change. And so we get kind of lost. We need a map. We need to sort of orient ourselves, see where we kind of really are. And you know, other people's maps create expectations for us. I just don't have a road there. You know, you've put a road somewhere where I don't have one. And you expect me to traverse this area, which in my landscape is hilly. Right? We're going through the mines. Going through the mountain. No, no, we're not going through the mountain. Going, going through the mountain. No, there's like skeleton people or something. Uh, well, or I don't know what they are. But, um, you know, just we should have gotten a map or like we should have started earlier. You know? Dandoff is no Google because it should have come all red in that map, you know, just under construction or something. Don't go here. But who hasn't? This, you know what? There's a, here's an eerie parallel between Lord of the Rings and a car journey I took. And the coincidence is I I knocked a skull into a well, except it was on the New Jersey Turnpike. Isn't that crazy? I was in New Jersey one time recently. It was the last trip up, and I was driving, and I passed the thing that said rest stop, and it was not, it was just, it wasn't, it was just a parking lot. There was no building or anything. It was no... There was no, it was just trucks kind of pulled in there to pass out, I guess. And uh, just a different idea of rest. Not all rest stops are rest stops. And so in our internal life, you know, not every rest stop, my rest stop may have bathrooms and a trinket store, a little thing you can buy, souvenirs even. And those, the things that have endured while maps have gone away, are these those little pamphlets, which are the same shape as the folded map? That's why, because they go in these racks with the maps. Are these 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 flyers or whatever you go? These cards for different uh, attractions in Florida. There used to be so many of them: sunken garden, unsunken garden. Uh, 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 you know, all the different places you can see. Um, monkey jungle, parrot jungle. Parrot Village, Monkey Village, Monkey Western Village, Six Gun, Monkey Territory, where they would re where monkeys would reenact Old West shootouts, and I believe this is all the uh, Tampa, Miami, Sarasota, Orlando, Tallahassee area. So um, incredible. I'm giving you not a map, I don't think, but a a sextant. We're sextanting. Sextanting. Sextant. 
ing right now. Now, what is the sextant? So what we do is we find, by finding a fixed point in the sky, the North Star, let's say, with our little telescope thing that has a Masonic symbol mounted on it, it's a protractor, something like that, and then we use that to calculate numbers. Then we use the numbers to find our where we are. And so that's what I'm giving to I'm giving you is this useless item. What I want you to use it for is I want you to go into your internal space, and I want you to uh, find a sort of fixed point. You know, your own north star, your center. See, I'm not going to lose myself. I'm going to feel where I am at all times because I could dissipate into others or the expectations of others or the, you know, there's you, you've made up a version of yourself and it is made up, but other people have too. And theirs aren't as good. I mean, they're, uh, they lack a dimension. But often we start being one of those, you know? I said, well, I'm just going to be that hardy. And then you lose yourself in the music, the moment you want, you better never let it go. No, only got one shot. Do not miss a chance to blow this opportunity. I just want to love Mom's spaghetti. I call that poem. Listen, uh, you want to stay centered. There's no, you know, oh, oh, man, maybe there is no you, but there's a perspective. There's uh, a view and the view from you is you. That's about it. But don't lose that. Because you will feel lost. You know? So create this wonderful map and put all sorts of details in it. And understand that you might need help finding directions within that map you've created. You can share it with others. When people tell me, you know, I don't give advice, but if you would come to me and say, uh, Hardy, um, maybe you can help me with this. I say, what? You say, I'm hung up. I'm at this point in my life, in my career. I'm starting to feel like nothing. And, you know, there was momentum, then there wasn't, and there blah, 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 blah. I feel that all the time, especially with artists and everything like that. Or I've, you know, I've reached this place, and it's great, and I, but I'm unsatisfied, or maybe I'm, it's not really my thing. Stuff like that. That kind of language and you tell me details, I can visit your little uh, mind village with you, your world. And I can see where you put yourself in your world and other stuff and then maybe help you get there using your world, not my map. You know, I'd have you going off a cliff because, you know, you're taking a different trip. And there's different, uh, people have different amount of luggage too. You know, you recommend a certain way of travel, and then you, have you ever done this, like, uh, say, oh, you're coming, oh, yeah, okay, so you get down, now get on the subway, and the person goes, whoa, 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 I have a steamer trunk and two large circuses. <laughs> what do you mean get on the subway, right? Won't there be a, a huge uh, moving van waiting for me at the, you know? So there's that, you know? People come with stuff. I lived abroad briefly, and but I don't I bought stuff and then couldn't sell it, and then had to bring it back. You know, like furniture.
and I didn't go with furniture. I went with like a suitcase, and I came back with a couch. So I wasn't even like a great, it was from Habitat, which is like French Ikea. It was an okay couch. Children ate it, so it's gone now. But listen, fact, can't say one. So you're going to have to come up with them. But I love being here with you and keeping you company. That's a, I love, uh, friends sometimes call me when they've got a tedious job, not that I can help with, but I can stand there and live hearty. Because sometimes you need company. Like if you got, you know how it is. Like let's say you were working on some things are just one-person jobs. So I got to get under my sink. I hate this. I got to kind of lay on my back, get under my sink, and put these kind of pipes, put this new fixtures in the sink and everything. Really only one person can do it. But I need someone there telling me stories or I'm going to lose it. So that's when I come over. And I say, what, you know, what are you doing? No, I know what you're doing. So then I start telling you about, you know, here's some old character actors you might want to look up when you're done and why they're interesting and then and then we have pizza what is that pizza is the official uh food of moving have you noticed that so if you come over and help me move i get everyone get a pizza this i you know we live in an age now Oh, lots of other things. And then sometimes they go get it. Did you ever do that? It's like, well, you picked a, the, like the quintessential delivery food. This is back in the day. And then, okay, there's three. And then they leave and go get it because they want to get away from the moving. Um, but it, you know, it's always pizza they reward you with. And I've moved a lot of friends. And I would like something more substantial. And, I, and it's... Here's what I... You can... Uh, first of all, crepes, which you can make ahead of time, all right? They don't have to be made on site. And then, like, I don't know, it could even be vegan version of, like, chicken a la king, like a creamy, you know, satisfying, uh, proteiny uh, thing like that. And then that in the crepe. <laughs> and then I would pick, I'll lift anything. I'll move your piano. I will put loose coat hangers in a broken, uh, useless paper box. Those cardboard boxes when one of the sides ripped and we're going to fill it with loose coat hangers. And I'll carry that to the U-Haul if you crepe me up. It doesn't have to be, like I said, it doesn't have to be traditional. Like, I'll, you know, I'll take like, you know, 50s American style. But pizza, whereas my grandmother would say pizza, Pizza is not going to cut it. Who was your grandmother? Oh, I miss her. You know, I'm, I'm from the South, but she was not. Well, she was from the South of New Jersey. And her name was Marjorie. And she lived in, um, she grew up in Haddonfield. And she, uh, and I think she was nice. But, you know, I didn't know her for most of her life because she was my grandmother. So she could have, who knows. I knew Marjorie from Haddonfield. I did find out things about her later in life when I was kind of doing genealogical stuff. I found her high school yearbook and what they wrote about her. And they wrote about that she fell asleep in class a lot. And that made me really wonder, like, why was she so tired? Like, what was she doing? And, and I know that she had to repeat a grade. Like, she, she graduated a year late. 
because she had to do her senior year over. And I was like, man, what was she, why was she so tired at like 17, 18? Couldn't stay awake in class. Was it just ADD? Because none of us could, I felt, I also zoned out and, uh, except I, I, they'll graduate you with any kind of grades now. So they didn't, they were like, we're out. Um, they just said, your, your, court, your uh, degree is not college prep. Okay. I was thinking about going to FSU, so oh, then you're fine. But I think like a sticker off because I got like a had like a C minus grade point average when I graduated high school, and um, went straight to state college honors. No, that's not true. Then you can graduate. You can turns out you can graduate college with a C. Then this is stuff they don't tell you. All these kids getting ulcers for nothing. You do not have to just learn what you learn at your own pace. And then you acquire skills. Then you have stuff to talk about with other employees at Target. And you'd be with the interesting guy. That's all. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know what I thought jobs were when I was younger. People had ones that don't exist. Or also there's jobs that had uh, dignity that no longer do. You know, people consider... Um, but they were all equal perfect. I don't know whether Sesame, I wasn't really a Sesame Street watcher, but I don't know whether it did that, but sort of like, you know, service, you know, you can be anything, a garbage man, a doctor, uh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, can you though? Cause, um, I don't even know if I could be a, I don't know that I have the skills to be a garbage man. I wish there were things that were really tailored. When I was coming up, we had to take a course called Americanism versus Communism. And the entire course was just about why Russia was intolerable. And, um, and one of the things would they say, when you're a baby in communist Russia, in USSR, they assign you your profession, your job. No matter what your skill level is or anything, they just go like, doctor. You know, bus driver. And um, if you didn't put that on the test, you wouldn't pass. So I got a C in that, which I feel sort of proud of. Um, I don't know. I didn't take, you know, if you don't take in everything, then you don't get any of the poison. Now, I don't know if they really did. They might have really done that. And so I don't want, I didn't want to live in an authoritarian dictatorship. I don't care what your economic system is. So, yeah, that wasn't really my, my I wasn't going to do that. There was no fear, y'all. Could have skipped that one. But you, and y'all mixed up economics in it. No, I'm not going to get into that. But, oh, my word, what a, what a jumble. So then I started thinking, you know, is my math class propaganda? And I felt sort of self-righteous for doing poorly in that as well. Oh, my goodness. Now you see, you say, how can this fella go on the radio and be that merely adequate? And I tell you this, it has to do with my heart and knowing yourself and uh, having an accurate map of your landscape. So set out to survey that stuff. Go look and not where the direct paths are, but go see if there's hills where you don't think there are. Go see if there's bodies of water internally that you didn't, you didn't realize were there that are maybe keeping you from you. That's what it is. You know, I thought it was a failure and not topography. My own emotional, experiential 
Topography. You are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WMFU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope 91.9 in Rockland County and in, uh, in New York City and online WFMU.org worldwide bringing free form radio to you the way it was freely formed originally. Mahogany will feature excerpt of an interview with UK Street Soul Pioneer Activist and Alaround Good Brother Dr. Toyinak Betu. Recorded on February 20th, 2K24. Less Rock. Salutations and good evening. Tonight's installment of Mahogany will feature excerpt of an interview with UK Street Soul Pioneer Activist and Alaround Good Brother Dr. Tolinak Betu. Recorded on February 20th, 2024. Salutations and good evening. Tonight's installment of Mahogany
happiness as scholar activist and uh, community educator. I lecture at University College London on uh, ethnicity, race, decolonization, uh, nationalism, and uh, yeah, I'm a pan-Africanist. That's that's you know as well as a daddy, husband, brother, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah, all the important jobs. Yeah, very important, the most important ones of all. My name is Brother Dr. Tony Kapetu. I am a Pan-Africanist, a scholar, activist, and uh, community educator. I lecture at University College London on uh, ethnicity, race, decolonization, uh, nationalism, and uh, yeah, I'm a Pan-Africanist. That's, that's you know, as well as a daddy, husband, brother, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the important job. Very important, the most important ones. I am a Pan-Africanist, a scholar, activist, and uh, community educator. I lecture at University College London on uh, ethnicity, race, decolonization, uh, nationalism, and uh, yeah, I'm a Pan-Africanist. That's, that's you know, as well as a daddy, husband. Because you grew up in Hackney, I understand, and just wondering what that was. What that was like, what did you do, what did you get into when you were, when you were a kid and stuff? <laughs> um, okay, so, well, that's a tricky one, right? So that's a long one. <clears throat> I mean, as a young boy, um, I, I don't know, I was just a happy young guy. We weren't, we didn't have a lot of money, uh, so you just kind of, like, played out. Um, you, you know, video games, back then, you know, computers and consoles weren't, you know, weren't around. Came much later in my life when um, I picked up a home computer and started playing games. So in them days, we used to go to arcades, um, play Defender, Galaxian, Space Invaders. We play football. Um, you know, I love swimming. Uh, school was boring, but I loved learning. So I mean, um, yeah, I don't know. I, just, I think I was just a you know regular child. Um, Love music, listen to music a lot. My dad played a lot of music, so that's where I've got most of my initial taste buds from. Because just hearing him playing stuff around the house, and he had an eclectic taste. So we'd hear Motown, um, we'd hear kind of like a traditional African music, like Fela, Afrobeat before it was even invented. Um, reggae, he liked his reggae, his lovers. So I'd hear all that 